Alright everyone, welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths, and uh, you know, I got some things I want to talk to you guys about, and I'm hoping you're okay with that. So, before I get into the movies that I selected to review slash recap this week, I, uh, I want to talk about I always have a warm-up topic, and I try and just discuss things that I have going on in my life and see where that takes me. So, most recently, I purchased a used Nintendo Wii console. I've never had a Nintendo Wii before, and I thought to myself... Maybe on these super hot summer days, you know, the the 90s and possibly even getting over 100 degrees, I mean, I'm going to want to stay in. I'm going to want to still get exercise because I'm still very much on the weight loss maintenance train. I'm, I'm trying to keep the weight off, and what I've actually been doing there is... Every weekend for the last few weekends, I've been going nuts having food that I should never have, you know, not if I'm trying to eat healthy, I should say. And so what I'll do is I'll kind of indulge on those foods and then I will not eat shit for, you know, the weekdays, like the regular week. And I'll just, I'll just have very minimal food until my weight gets back down, because what you know, I'll like it'll be like a swing of like two or three pounds that I'll I'll gain over the weekend, and then it's it's pretty clear that I need to lose the weight. So I I do this, you know, I I eat very little, and then once the numbers come back, I can finally like get back to normalcy again with eating. So that's what I've been doing. But anyway, so the Wii was was purchased as an intended fitness tool and it's already caused me to pour so much money into it. I, 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 my budget is out the window this month. I am just going to have to try and bring it back together next month. Uh, but I have been using the Wii luckily. So that's, that's a plus, you know, I, I, I hate to, I hate to buy stuff that I like immediately don't use because they're, you know, I find out they're just, not what I hoped they would be, or I'm just not as interested as I wanted to be. So, on that note about, you know, getting a Wii, you know, buying used is something I've been doing a lot of, right? So, I've been going to a lot of garage sales already this summer. I mean, I've only, I guess there's only been a few few weeks slash maybe a couple months of garage sales to work with and I've been trying to utilize them I you know some of the things I like to buy at garage sales include tools appliances you know like small appliances in rare instances there will be movies or video games or things like that um, dishes it all just depends. I mean, it's the luck of the draw, really. If you if you get there early, you can usually find some pretty decent stuff if they're going to have anything at all. Because sometimes there's just nothing. Like, they just don't... 
They don't have any business having a garage sale. They should have just thrown away all of their earthly possessions and moved the fuck on with their life. But they wanted to see if they could get some money out of it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a garage sale and it's just complete trash. One thing I like about garage sales is they generally speaking, generally speaking, put prices on everything. They usually have little stickers and you know how much you owe for that item. I'm not big on haggling. I don't really like to do it, even though that's probably not a good thing. I should probably haggle a little bit and save myself some money. But realistically, it's it's difficult for me. I don't I don't really want to put somebody in a tough spot where I'm asking them for less than they obviously want to get for it. And so I try and I try and be good about it. Uh, I love the people, and and I've made fun of this a lot recently. The people that, especially garage sales or Facebook sales or things like that, uh, they will they will price something based on the amount that they paid for it oftentimes several years prior and it just it doesn't make any sense at all it's just it's complete lunacy i mean if you bought a couch for $3,500 15 years ago and you've used it virtually every day since then it's not worth anything anymore let alone $3,000 you know, I mean, it's simple as that. And so, on that same token, um, I also recently went to I went to a flea market in Lansing, and then the following weekend, I went to a flea market in DeWitt, and the one in DeWitt was vastly superior in overall quality. The one, the one in Lansing, it just didn't have as many vendors, and there was a lot of stuff that it seemed as though... You know, I, I this was before I had bought the Wii when I went to the first when I went to the Lansing flea market, and I almost bought a Nintendo Wii for forty dollars at the flea market, and it was in really rough shape. And I know it didn't have all the components. So when I didn't buy it at the flea market, I went straight to this place called Disc Traders. It's it's a really cool. It's Sort of the same as a GameStop type thing, you know? I mean, there's there's a lot of um, similarities, but they also have, they have DVDs and Blu-rays and, you know, 4K, whatever. And then they have old school games. So they have classic games, Nintendo, Super NES, Sega... Whatever, you know, I mean, it's it's all really cool. They also have used technology, such as computer monitors, microphones, headphones, speakers, uh, laptops, you know, you name it. They'll, I mean, TVs, they'll, they'll buy them, um, you know, but you have to be careful because you never really know, especially like headphones, gross, like, just gross. I mean, I don't care if they're over-the-ear headphones. 
you have no business buying any kind of headphones that have been used for a prolonged period of time. And I mean, so one time I actually went to GameStop and was taking back a bunch of uh, Xbox 360 stuff. And I, I had just grabbed my headset and I had never used the headset. And it was, uh, the, the guy looked at it and immediately like, set it into the discard pile, you know, he didn't, he didn't want anything to do with it. And I looked at it and it was disgusting. I mean, it was clear that I had spilled something on it, but it looked gross. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but it was, ugh, it was disgusting. But so, you know, I, I, I didn't get anything at the Lansing flea market. I got a few things at the DeWitt flea market. Uh, I got, some tools, I got some Wii stuff, I got some Batman stuff, which is always a popular choice for me. Um, I got a Batman pen that is a, a solid actual pen, and it also a actually doubles as a bat signal. So that's kind of cool, right? And so, like, I was kind of showing it off today when I was at work, you know, and it was pretty cool. So, I mean... Some of the things I've bought, other than that, uh, would would include a Keurig, and it was one of the cool ones with the reservoir that you don't have to refill every time you want a cup, and it it's just it's solid, it works good. I mean, there's no there's no nothing wrong with it, um, and you know I mentioned some of the Wii accessories and games that I've gotten, um. So something that upset me with the DeWitt one was the DVD selection, DVDs and Blu-rays. It, I, I couldn't find anything I wanted. I couldn't justify purchasing any of these freaking movies. And I, I've been looking for the, the original Rocky, and I, I don't know if maybe it's just something that is in high enough demand or whatever, people don't let go of it or something, but... Uh, I also passed up a wheelbarrow because I, I want one with two wheels in the front. I, I don't want a single wheel because it's it's just a tipping hazard. It just is. Uh, there were there were some people haggling over, you know, they thought it was reasonable to pay forty five dollars for this shitty motel art that they were looking at. I don't even, I can't even really tell you what was, what was in the image. It was just, it was terrible. I mean, I, I don't know who on earth would want it. Uh, there's, there's always at these flea markets also, there's a ton of nonsense. And my goodness, if you make the mistake of glancing at something without even the slightest interest, the person who's running the stand will, like, make a comment about it, like, yeah, that's $10, uh, it's, you know, two for 15, or, you know, whatever, and you just look at them like, thanks, I didn't, I didn't care about that at all, that, that wasn't valuable information for me, because I am not purchasing this, um, uh, I just, I don't know, I mean, I love, I love going, like, I love going to these things, I just, I wonder if it's worth it 
all the time. If I don't, if I don't have something shitty that I'm looking for, am I not better off saving my time and just going to a regular store and buying it new? I mean, I drove to DeWitt, which is, you know, it's like 25 minutes to get to DeWitt from my house. And, um, and this is Michigan, by the way, in case you don't know where I live, because, you know, I've got such a grand following of listeners. Um, I live in Michigan, mid-Michigan to be precise. I should say as precise as I intend to be. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to save money, as I've mentioned. So aside from investing in the Wii and pissing away a ton of money on shit that I probably don't need this month, I'm going to switch back in July and, and get back on track with the, with the budget. Um... Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's good to try and, you know, seek out those garage sales and yard sales and see what you can get at them because you never know what you might find. You know, it's just it's it's awesome sometimes. So, today I want to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies, which actually both of these movies are all-time favorites, but I say it about this one because I've known it for a lot longer, and it's been around a lot longer. Um, it's a little movie called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out in June of 1986, June 11th to be precise. Uh, it's directed by John Hughes, who has an amazing reputation for these cool teen movies that... You know, he just, they had, they always had a great cast and sense of humor and they really just resonated with that generation. You know, in the eighties, it was just, it was all him, you know, like there are so many, you know, you got the breakfast club, you got 16 candles, you got pretty in pink, you got uncle buck, you know, I mean, just, they're all over the place, but they're amazing. You know, they're really good movies. And so we take Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and we have, you know, it's a pretty clear-cut plot, you know, based on title. You've got Ferris Bueller is skipping school for a day. He's convincing his parents that he is ill and has to stay in bed, and he's not, not feeling well, you know, he's... And they're just worried sick about him because they love him so dearly, you know, and they don't want anything bad to happen to him. And he's putting up this big fight about, oh, he's he's going to be tough and he's going to go to school anyway and he has a test today and this and that. And they're like, no, 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 you are not going to school, mister. I don't think so. And it's just, it's so great because he just, he sells it to them so much. And he's got his sister, Jeannie, who is clearly not the favorite. I mean, she they he says in the movie he got or she got a car, he got a computer and you know, I mean, one would think that the car would be more valuable especially in the 80s because nobody was using computers for jack of shit in their homes in the 80s, but he um so he goes the parents buy it hook line and sinker you know they're they're totally ready to believe he's sick and <sighs> so this kind of sets off a chain of events you know um uh, he's got so 
Matthew Broderick plays um, Ferris Bueller, and and it's funny because this is his biggest role. I mean, it's not even not even close. Nothing else that he's done has come even remotely close to this movie's popularity, and he's he does such a good job in it. The funny thing is is how many different actors I saw listed on Wikipedia or on, you know, like, this, like, facts about Ferris Bueller thing that I looked up. And it was talking about the different people that were considered. And I never know what that means. They were considered for the role, but, like, in what capacity were they considered? You know, how how big was the deal that they made about approaching these people? So... On this list, you got Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Jim Carrey, and I put a question mark by that name because, so I guess I should have read it as Jim Carrey, but it's more because I don't think anybody fucking knew who Jim Carrey was in 1986. I mean, was he even on in Living Color or anything like that? What was, I don't know. Johnny Depp. Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., and Michael J. Fox. Now, I could buy any number of those people. I don't think Tom Cruise has the sense of humor to pull that role off. Uh, Michael J. Fox definitely could see him doing this. It would not even surprise me a little bit. I think Johnny Depp, Maybe. I he he's got the same humor issue, not in the same way that Tom Cruise does, but his sense of humor would not align with this character. John Cusack would be perfect. I would, you know, if if it had always been John Cusack, I don't know that I wouldn't have loved the movie more because John Cusack is fucking wonderful. Rob Lowe, yeah, we can you can take or leave him. I I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um Matthew Broderick honestly probably could have been considered for the the role of his friend Cameron, who ended up being played by Alan Ruck. Um, and and Cameron is really the star of this movie. I mean, it's a it's called Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but in reality, it's about Cameron Fry's inner demons and you know all the things he has going on in his brain. And all the worries he has. Ferris Bueller's girlfriend is uh, named Sloane Peterson. She is played by a young Mia Sarah. And she she is great. I mean, Alan Ruck is, is amazing in this movie. and he's But he's got more of a serious role. He's got a couple of funny moments, you know. But for the most part, he... He, he's very serious. He's he's worried the whole movie that he's going to get in trouble and he's going to have to face his parents and this, that, and the other thing. And Mia Sarah is just... She, she plays that part of the popular guy's girlfriend. Because when I say he's the popular guy, he's got people calling him at home knowing he's supposedly sick and... You know, one guy says he's getting me out of summer school, and multiple people are chatting him up about stuff, and like they just love him. I mean, 
I don't get it. You know, it's, it's just crazy. There's no, I've never encountered somebody who is that unanimously loved by all of the student body. Um, Mia Sarah's character, Sloan, she, she plays it cool. You know, they get her out of school. They, they convince that they convince the school that her grandmother has passed away and they're just, it's ridiculous. I mean, she gets so ahead of herself and they never, you know, she never gets caught for doing that. She does, I don't know, she's just, she's very cool, you know? Um, the, the principal, who plays a major part in this movie, is basically the only real antagonist other than th the lingering fear of getting caught or whatever. Um, Principal Edward Rooney, and he is, um, he is played by one Jeffrey Jones, who you might have seen in a few other things. I remember him from, I think it was The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino, and he was also in Howard the Duck, which no person should watch ever, by the way. Not only did Jeffrey Jones, after this movie, I don't know when it happened, but sometime after this movie, Jeffrey Jones put on a pretty significant amount of weight. And that's not all. Jeffrey Jones was caught soliciting a 17-year-old boy to pose nude for photographs. And, I mean, he's, he's a pedophile. He only did... Five years of probation for it, I think. But he's a registered sex offender. He's a piece of shit. I mean, if it was... I, every time I see something like this, I, I want to joke and say, eight-year-olds, dude. But it's not funny. Like, it's just not. Ugh, God. It makes me sick. One of my favorite parts of this movie is the secretary that... And I don't know her name, and I'm not going to mention her name. Like, I'm not going to look her up, because she's she's not really in a ton of other stuff. And I don't think it would, it would add any value to mention her name. But she is hysterical, and I just can't believe she didn't get more popular after this movie and have more good roles, but I she just... She makes these little snide comments and these little, like, off-the-cuff remarks. And, you know, she just delivers all these lines really well, you know. She talks about how well-loved Ferris is and how he makes Ed look like an ass, you know. Her boss look like an ass. And he and she tells him that to, her to his face. And it's just awesome. Uh, I don't, I don't want to gloss over the parents. The parents are good and they're a believable married couple and they're, it's it's fairly believable that they're Matthew Broderick's parents. Um, they actually ended up getting married in real life and having kids, which is great. I mean, more power to them. Um, you know, but they, they seem to gravitate toward loving Ferris and hating Jeannie. Jeannie is, she's played by, uh, she's a sister, she's played by Jennifer Grey, and this is, you know, 
right around her, you know, just before her Dirty Dancing days, I think. Yeah, because I think Dirty Dancing was 87 and this was 86. So she does an amazing job as the angry sibling that is just so bitter because her brother gets away with murder and doesn't ever get even remotely accused of doing anything wrong, you know? And so, I mean, she talks about, like, she's thinking about him in her head. And after this long, drawn-out consideration that he might not be so bad, she still ends it with, screw him. Like, she just says it out loud, screw him, or I hate him, or, you know, whatever. But she's she's great in this movie. I love her. She's She's one of those people that, like overdid it with the plastic surgery and it's kind of not great, you know, but, and it's too bad because it's, she was, she was pretty, you know what I mean? She was pretty and like, it's not that she's not pretty now. It's that she's not her anymore. She doesn't even look like her. Uh, another bit part in this movie is Ben Stein, who, he hit his peak with this movie. He has this improv scene where he does like a lecture because I guess he used to be a writer for for Nixon and uh, Ford. And he he does a really good job with this lecture. He, but there's the roll call that everybody knows, you know, Bueller, Bueller, you know, and he's just he's doing roll call and Bueller isn't there. And so it's, you know, it takes forever for somebody to speak up and say, hey, he's on the brink of death, you know. So anyway, we'll get we'll get back into the way this movie goes is, you know, Ferris calls Cameron, his friend, and he's already put the wheels in motion to get Sloan out of out of school. And they go over to Cameron's house and they they take his dad they take Cameron's dad's um, Ferrari and they, they go to, because they say, you know, Ferris says that they would never, they couldn't go pick Sloan up in that, um, car of Cameron's because they'd never believe that Sloan's dad drives that piece of shit. And it, it's just, it's wonderful. And so they go pick up Sloan and they head, you know, this, they're in the suburbs of Chicago and they go and pick up, you know, or they they go and they get out on the town. You know, they go to Chicago. They're they're hitting all these landmarks. Um, you know, they go to Sears Tower. They go to the you know the the art museum. I don't remember what it's called, but you know they go there. Um, they have this like all the while. You know, they're they're out on the town, and there is this this outpouring of support for Ferris and, you know, his increasingly built up medical issue that he's having They're you know, they're just, they're going absolutely apeshit about it and they're collecting money and there's a water tower that says save Ferris on it. You know, I mean, just, can you imagine it? it it's just the wildest fucking thing. So they go, I mean, they go around town and, and, you know, apparently there are all of these little nods to, 
John Hughes movies in the license plates that you see throughout the movie. There's one that references the movie Vacation, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation, which is John Hughes. There's a The Breakfast Club, Mr. Mom, and then there's a Ferris Bueller one as well. But he is just, he is the man, the myth, Ferris Bueller, you know, he is just that guy. You know, all the while, like, he has he set up all of this stuff at his house, Ferris has, to, you know, like, if you ring the buzzer for the intercom, he has it automatically start a recording, and it's, you know, he says that, you know, he's afraid that in his weakened condition he could take a nasty spill down the stairs and subject himself to further school absences so he can't come to the door right now. It's fucking great. I mean, I don't know, I don't even know... I mean, he has a mannequin in his bed, and it's it's rigged up with the with a string to the door, and it, it, he's got snoring noises playing on his stereo. I mean, it is fucking great. I I just I can't believe all the cool stuff that he does. Um, uh, so at one point they get to and. By the way, I should mention there a, a lot of the humor. The humor is great in this movie. Like it, I love it. There's a lot of uh, breaking of the fourth wall by Ferris, and just kind of giving looks to the camera. And at the beginning of the movie, he is literally talking to the camera. So it's not. It is that kind of movie. Um, and you know, at the end of the movie, or towards the end of the movie, I should say, he. Uh, Swindles his way onto a parade float in a parade in downtown Chicago, and he is, you know, he's he lip syncs to "Twist and Shout" by the Beatles, and he lip syncs to "Donka Shane" by Wayne Newton. It's just, it's great. I, he's so cool, you know. It's just, it's amazing to me because Matthew Broderick only played non-cool people going forward, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, Jeannie is skipping school anyway, even though she knows she's going to get in trouble, and she ends up, you know, she comes home, and the principal has actually come to their house and broken into their house, and she freaks out, and she calls the police, and the police come and pick her up, and they say that she's, she's making a phony phone call, and she meets Charlie Sheen at the police station, who is apparently on two days without sleep. And, you know, he just, he, he looks like he's drugged out. I mean, he really does. And maybe he was also. Who knows? It's Charlie Sheen. They also go, that's where, that's the other place I was trying to think of, is they go to the stock exchange in Chicago and... Uh, I, I guess I didn't really realize how that worked. Like, I thought that was just in New York, but whatever. And overall, the movie ends up being kind of a coming to grips with what he needs to do for Cameron, you know? And what Cameron needs to do. Because, uh, you know, Ferris, Ferris took him out for the day to try and get him out of his funk and realize that he can't live like he lives and he needs to do something about it. And so, you know, that's, but it's got, 
it, it gets serious. It gets real towards the end of the movie. Um, you know, there are scenes throughout the movie with, you know, these, these valets at this, uh, at the, I think it's at the restaurant that they go to, which I, oh, I've got to get into that really quick. Um, so they go to this restaurant and they, they look through the guest book and they figure out a party of three that they can pretend to be. And they can, they tell the waiter, you know, there's this whole exchange where the waiter doesn't believe him. And he takes all of this time to convince him. And he goes, he, he makes a fault. He says he's going to call the police. And so Cameron pretends to be the police chief. And uh, Sloan calls on the other line and is pretending to be someone who's looking for the person that they are um, pretending to be. And she describes Ferris's outfit, you know. And there is, I mean, there is a scene where, so, you know, they obviously, they end up getting the table, right? And so when the waiter finally, and the waiter is a total douche nozzle, he, he seats them and thanks them for their understanding. And Ferris says to him, and this is like one of my favorite things that you could possibly say to really say fuck you to somebody. He says, it's understanding that makes it possible for people like us to tolerate a person like yourself. And the waiter just kind of, like, acknowledges it and walks away, like, devastated. And it's just, oh, man, I just love the line so fucking much. So, getting into, you know, I, I love this movie. Can't stress that enough. Um, so, the budget was $5 million. Uh, worldwide gross was $70.7 million. So, it was very successful. Made its money back several times over. Uh, it... It has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which is very good. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics and 92% for the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I give it a solid 5 out of 5 stars. I, I can't... I mean, I feel... I feel as though that's obvious, but I, I feel the need to say it anyway. And yeah, that's Ferris Bueller... It's a classic, you know, you've got to give it a shot. If you don't if you don't give it a shot, you're you're going to regret it when you finally do see it. Here we go. All right. The second movie, the second and final of the episode is one Scott Pilgrim versus the World, okay? This movie was released on August 13th, 2010, okay? It's based on Six graphic novels, and by the way, there were only two that had been written by the time of filming, and the movie itself actually ended up influencing the writing of the final four graphic novels, which is really cool. I don't know that I've ever heard of that ever happening, ever, even a little bit, you know? Everybody always bases books or bases movies on books when they've been written for at least a, 
a year or two. I mean, like, usually longer than that, but, like, that's the longest I've ever heard it it go. Edgar Wright directed this movie. He, he's, he's famous for those, like, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies where, you know, it's, like, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, At World's End, you know, stuff like that. He also made... Baby Driver, which was pretty solid. I liked Baby Driver quite a bit. And you can just tell that he loved this story. Or, you know, he loved the the characters. And he loved the humor. It just... he, he It's such... I, this one, I can't... How do I put it? If I, if I were to describe this movie, I would say it's not for everybody. But if you are... Someone, someone who's willing to give a movie like this a shot, I think you'll love it because I absolutely love it. And I actually don't think I loved this as much as I do now the first time I saw it, but it's it's so good. So to kind of briefly go through the cast, because there's, there's a lot of cast here, okay? So Michael Sarah plays Scott Pilgrim. He is enamored with this girl named Ramona Flowers, and she's played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I have a total crush on. Scott Pilgrim's roommate, Wallace, is played by Kieran Culkin. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this with the entire cast list explaining who's who. So Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman. Chris Evans, Brie Larson, Brandon Routh, Mae Whitman, and Bill Hader plays the voice of this movie. He is basically an announcer a lot. This movie is very video game centric, very, very video game centric, and he is like the announcer in, what is it, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Or whatever. I mean, amazing. Just so great. And so the story, I mean, the story is of essentially Scott Pilgrim. In order to get with Ramona Flowers, Scott has to defeat her seven evil exes. And it's, oh man, it is so great. I mean, it's such a star-studded cast. And most of these people weren't even a big deal when this movie came about. I probably wouldn't have heard of a lot of them before this movie. But there are also a lot that I have heard of and do know. So the movie has some very, I'll call it abrupt storytelling. Things happen very quickly in this movie. And it's just very random Uh, the humor is great. There's, you know, there's even a scene where they, they parody Seinfeld and there's a studio audience and all that stuff going on. But I, I I absolutely love the way this movie unfolds and all of these, all the music is so cool. I mean, just the soundtrack in general, it's awesome. And by the way, there's and there is a song by Brie Larson, or I should say, it's a song by Metric called Black Sheep. And Brie Larson actually recorded her own vocals 
because she's supposed to be playing this rock star chick in the movie who also used to date Scott Pilgrim. But she does an amazing job. I mean, when I listen to the song, I can't even really believe it's her. But I love it. I want more of it, you know? I, I, I can't stress that enough. It's, it's fantastic. So apparently, because Scott Pilgrim is in a band with his ex-girlfriend, Allison Pill, and one other guy, I don't know his name, and... Actually, maybe two other guys. I can't remember. Anyway, their their name is Sex Bob-omb. And what's great about Sex Bob-omb is all their, all their songs are written by Beck. And they just, when they play the songs, you know, they do band practice or whatever. And it just, they fucking wail, man. I don't say this enough. They fucking wail. And it feels like an excerpt from a music video, you know? A lot of the music is because it's video gamey. It's, you know, there's some that's pretty Nintendo Corey, you know, video game music style. But the visual aspect of this movie, honestly, is so amazing to me. I, they, they put so much cool stuff on screen that you, you've just never seen in a movie before. And there aren't movies like this one anywhere. And nobody tried to do what this movie did because it would have been a, such a transparent ripoff of this movie to try and replicate anything that, I mean, maybe some of the stylizing of the movie could have been replicated, but for the most part, it's on its own as the type of movie it is. It's great. I just, I really enjoy it. I I can't, I, I don't know what to tell you. So Jason Schwartzman is in this movie and I wanted to mention him because I stumbled upon, he has an indie pop rock band uh, called Coconut Records. And they're, he's great. I mean, he's the front man. I don't even know who else is in the band, if anybody. But he is, he is stellar. And like, and I mean, the songs are, they're so catchy. I just, I love it. And that's what I really give a shit about in music is, is, is it catchy? If it's not catchy, I don't know if I can, if I can do this. So Ramona's ever-changing hair color, you know, she starts off the movie with, I think, pink, and then it switches to blue. She just makes some off-the-cuff remark about how, you know, it's, but there's something about the idea of unnaturally colored dyed hair, Okay. Stuff like pink and blue and purple, whatever. I find it oddly attractive. I don't know what it is about that, but it's just, it's, wow, it's great. So I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the scene with, so Brandon Routh's character is one of the evil exes, and he's with Brie Larson, who is also Scott Pilgrim's ex, so... Uh, but Brandon Routh is a vegan, right? And in this movie, vegans have special powers because they're vegans and being vegans just make you, makes you a little bit better than everybody else, as they say, is in jest, you know? And there's a scene where Brandon Routh gets busted by the vegan police and 
you know, they, they cite him for imbibing half and half. And it just, oh my God, the, wow, it's so great, you know? It just cracks me up, like, the way, the way, because, like, Tom Jane, actor Tom Jane, who played the Punisher in the Punisher movie, the first one, he is one of the vegan police officers, and, you know, he's citing him for this, this imbibing of half and half, and they just, man, it's so funny, you know, it just cracks me up, and I just don't even know what, I don't know what makes it so good, but the sense of humor of this movie is stellar. I cannot get enough of it, guys. It's fucking super. And I, I have to say that I do recommend this movie for sure. So it had a budget of $62.85 million. It's It's somewhere in that range. Wikipedia didn't seem to know for sure how much it was. 60 to 85 million, if I didn't say million. And they had a worldwide gross of only 49.3, so it was definitely not a successful movie. I mean, the, the biggest problem is when you look at these movies with the millions of dollars that they talk about with the budget, that pretty much never includes marketing, and marketing is a big chunk of change, as you could imagine, for especially certain movies. You know, they just have that way about them. It bums me out to know that, because I didn't see this movie in theaters, and I I would have absolutely seen it in theaters had I known how much I'd enjoy it. You know, it, it had that short, you know, that, that not-so-good uh, box office. And then IMDb, it's, it's rated a very admirable 7.5 out of 10 stars. Uh, it's... 82% with the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 84% with the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. I I have to give it it's I think I'm going to stop saying it out loud, but this is a 5 out of 5. I just want to tell you guys about some movies that I love, you know. And, and I mean, it's I'll talk about some bad movies eventually, but for the most part, I just can't get enough of of these movies that I'm talking about. So you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for a while. You know, I had my, my Dark Knight episode. I'm going to, I'm going to start because I've got a list on Voodoo of the different, you know, the different movies that are my all-time favorites and there are like 40 of them on there. So, I mean, I'm not going to do a ton of franchises and stuff, but I, I definitely intend to do um, my whole all-time favorites list if I can. I I think down the road I'll do a James Bond episode and just talk James Bond for a solid hour and just leave it at that and see how that goes, but I'm just I'm trying uh I'm trying so hard to to nail down a good format for everybody that, you know, what everybody will enjoy because I'm doing this for fun, but I'm also doing it in hopes that people will enjoy it and people will listen to it. I'm not going to just talk to a brick wall my entire life, you know? I mean, I plan on recording no fewer than 800 episodes of this, so please give me your feedback. Let me know what you think, what you want to have happen, you know? What what would be cool, What would not? what's not cool, you know, whatever. I mean, do what you got to do. 
I just want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And please check out my blog, brandonatrandom.wordpress.com. And just check it out. You know, I've got some, some articles on there. They're pretty brief. I try and keep them short. But just uh, give them a shot and let me know what you think about those two. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Enjoy this theme music. Brandon at Random Reviews is performed, written, directed, produced, and edited by Brandon Griffiths. Theme music is performed by Augusto Diniz from Fiverr.